We continue now our considering shepherding in mutuality for the building up of the body of Christ. And I'll go through the outline with care uh, in a little while. But I want to say something further, especially related to the subject of message two, the shepherding life. I believe we can all appreciate the definition of shepherding that we are applying and taking as the, uh, the measure of what we're talking about. To shepherd is to render all-inclusive, tender care of one another, or we may say, according to the original wording of our brother, the all-inclusive, tender care of the flock. But the flock is composed of sheep, of course. And so we're talking about mutually rendering all-inclusive and tender care of one another with the hope that everyone, according to their present capacity, is able to receive and benefit from this all-inclusive tender care and also, according to their present capacity, to render this kind of care. We are in a family. We're at different stages of spiritual growth. And the degree to which we can receive and benefit from all-inclusive tender care and render such care is directly related to where we are in our spiritual growth and development. Then I want to underscore a point I made to some extent in the first message. In these three messages I'm presenting to you, I am not trying to lay upon you a burden to do more shepherding. In no way do I want you to feel uh, discouraged or defeated in this matter. That is of no help to any of us. What is in me is to help us to realize the need for shepherding mutually. And the need is the building up of the church as the body of Christ and to bring in a revival to end the age. And we want to understand how crucial shepherding is 
But this is what is so crucial to me now. I have been learning little by little over the decades that exhorting the saints, encouraging the saints, and some brothers actually command and charge the saints uh, to do this or to do that. You need to preach the gospel more. You need to serve more. And the saints generally are polite and they listen. But it doesn't work. Why? Because how we live, the, the Christian life, how we serve, is directly related to where we are in the experience of Christ as life. No one, no parent, would charge uh, and command a four-year-old to drive a car, even a 12-year-old. The responsibilities of a growing human being are related to one's stage of growth. So it would be a mistake to separate shepherding, rendering all-inclusive tender care from our life, our person, our stage in the growth in life. It can't be separated from our present experience and enjoyment of Christ. It cannot be isolated from the degree to which we're governed by the heavenly vision. And the same thing would apply to the gospel preaching. We need, we should long for more people to be saved and be baptized into the triune God and become kingdom people in the church life. But simply charging others, commanding others, directing others for the long run does not have any positive effect. And eventually saints will just sit politely, but really not take this in. They've heard this so much. So I'm trying to be careful, and you know whether or not I am being successful in avoiding all of that. I believe the intention here is to help us understand what shepherding is, what it involves, why it is needed, and how it is intrinsically and organically related to our present situation personally before the Lord. 
And I'd like to give another kind of illustration of this to try to make this point more clear. And uh, I hope I can present this illustration without any of us being distracted. Uh, At a particular time and in a certain situation, uh, I was having fellowship with a, a responsible serving one And I pointed out sincerely, and I believe tenderly, a certain fact. Just an observation of a fact. Well, what fact? That actually our Lord's table meeting is really formal. It's predictable. It follows a pattern very similar to the so-called worship meeting or Sunday morning meeting in the denomination. And I mention this because again and again and again throughout his ministry, Brother Lee released this burden Illustrated in the hymn, Let Us Exhibit Christ. Let us exhibit Christ. We will bring his surplus to the church and thus exhibit Christ. And he's given a series of messages at different times. You can see in the collected works on Worshiping the Father in spirit and in truthfulness. Worshiping him with Christ as our reality. Well, we cannot, it will not help to tell the saints from now on, when we come together for the Lord's table, we must all exhibit Christ. And we should follow the Spirit in a living way. And the meeting should not be so predictable and not so formal in following a certain routine. Well, that is not going to accomplish anything. Dear saints may try, but if we have no surplus of Christ. How can we bring the surplus to the church and exhibit Christ? So if brothers are burdened, concerned for uplifting the Lord's Day morning meeting, especially the Lord's table meeting, the dear brothers need to realize this cannot be divorced from the believer's daily life with the Lord. If we're not experiencing and enjoying the riches of Christ, how can we bring these riches to the church and offer them to the Lord? I hope 
this point is getting across. That our meetings are a reflection of our being, of our person, of our constitution, of our living. And the meetings will be different when there's developments in the areas I just mentioned. And so, I I hope this is now becoming clear. I'm not with you in these meetings to charge you to do anything. To lay a burden on you, to add to all of the things weighing on you right now. I would like the saints to be supplied and to be nourished, not to be made to feel defeated or failures. This is a a greatly important area, the shepherding for the building up of the body of Christ. And we're having just three times together We can't revolutionize this and have a radical change all of a sudden. But I believe we can be enlightened some, uh, supplied with grace some, and respond to a certain extent so we can take a few steps. This is encouraging just to be advancing little by little. And so now we come to message two on the shepherding life, not the shepherding activity, not shepherding as a duty, not shepherding as a task we're responsible to carry out. But the shepherding life. So, when a young couple that had been married for anywhere from one to a few years have their first child, They will realize now your human life is changed for the rest of your days. You're a mother. You are a father. And you will learn to live a family life by living a family life and learning as a part of that life how to care for your newborn and to guide your child through all the stages, to care for them when they're sick, to rejoice when they start to crawl and to stand up and to walk and to talk and to open the way for their training and education as they grow. That is a parenting life. 
lived by parents who are learning humanly and spiritually what it is to be a parent. So the shepherding life is a practical and actual living of how the Lord is growing in us, constituting us, shepherding us into more experience and enjoyment of him, and we and, and enabling us to realize that as believers, we are many aspects. We have many. You look at the messages on the believers in the books of the conclusion of the New Testament. There's a list of all the symbols of all and all the aspects of what a believer is. And we need to learn that as a believer, as a child of God, as a member of the body of Christ, I'm a sheep and I'm a shepherd. This is part of what I am according to God. And as, as I pointed out before, as we experience more shepherding directly from Christ, and come to know and experience him as the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the shepherd of our souls, we are constituted more with him and spontaneously we live that out. And then one other matter, then we'll go through the outline step by step. We're not talking about a shepherding behavior. It's not something we turn on. Now I'm going to shepherd somebody. Or I'm going to go visit somebody. Anything we kind of turn on like that, this, it's self-made. It's not real. The other parties will sense it. I go back again to a young couple having a child. Your being is now developing humanly. You never were a dad or a mom before. Now the capacity in you to be a father, to be a mother, is being activated. It's being developed. It's being lived out. So when it comes down to it, the basic need of all of us is more Christ. More of the all-inclusive, extensive Christ to be personally real to us. To be the Christ we actually experience and enjoy the Christ who is working himself into our being, making his home in our heart, and who is the shepherd of our soul, caring for us all the time. 
then the more we gain of this Christ and the more Christ gains us, we shepherd just spontaneously. We care for others more. We pray for them, even if it's just mentioning their names more. We desire to contact them more. We can say we're burdened for them. And as we become aware of their situation, we begin to understand what all-inclusive care is. None of us are angels. We're not pure spirits. We are rather complicated, tripartite beings with three lives in us, the created human life, the satanic life in the flesh, the divine life in our spirit. And we're living in a certain kind of environment and situation. It's no exaggeration to say shepherding is all-inclusive care. There's an expression used by Peter toward the end of chapter 5 of 1 Peter. And he mentions, cast all your anxieties, your care upon the Lord. And then he says this, for it matters to him concerning you. It matters. Everything related to your tripartite being, where you are, at the age you are, every aspect matters to God. Your health, the, the yearnings within you, the feelings, the memories, the intentions, the needs, the worries, the fears, any anxieties. It all matters to him. And the one to whom it matters is the shepherd of our souls. So in addition to experiencing Christ more, enjoying Christ more, being constituted with Christ more, we all need to be able to say with our great, 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 great grandfather David, the Lord is my shepherd. I do not lack anything. What a testimony this is for a man like David to say this. He didn't say the Lord is the shepherd. He's my shepherd. I will not lack. And just to be able to say this, as to some extent I can say this to you, I have a shepherd. I need his shepherding. I'm not exaggerating. Non-stop, day and night. 
I need him as the shepherd of my soul. My needs are different as an elderly person than they were when I was middle age, different from when I was in my 20s and 30s. And my shepherd knows this. And he just cares. So when we know him, experience him, enjoy him, and are constituted with him more, and experience his shepherding of us more, then we will have more shepherding as part of our life. It will not be something we have to do because we're in the church and we don't have clergy laity. We do this just as parents love and care for their children. We do it for that reason. And the Lord will shepherd his entire recovery in all the churches into this shepherding life to the extent that the co-workers, the elders, the leading ones, the serving ones, all the saints are open and willing for him to do this. He knows there is this great need. Okay, Roman numeral one. The goal of the Lord's recovery is to recover the ministering of Christ by all the believers so that the church as the body of Christ may be built up. This is the goal of the Lord's recovery. May this be written on our heart. This is the goal. This should be the goal of every co-worker, every elder, every serving one, everyone bearing responsibility for any aspect of the church life. This is the goal. This is why we're here. And we have Ephesians 4 as the important reference. And the Lord, in ascension, gives to the body apostles, evangelists, prophets, prophets second, evangelists, shepherd teachers, for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of the ministry comma, the building up of the body of Christ. And so, it's not the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers who will build up the church directly. It will be the perfected saints who have been perfected to do the work of the ministry. 
which is to dispense life into others. And ministering and shepherding are hand in hand. When we're shepherding, we are ministering life. When we're ministering life, we're shepherding. And the goal is the building. It's the body. And the Lord is shepherding us right this moment with this goal in view. And this governing vision of the goal should be guiding us, motivating us, directing us in our care for others. We see the connection between this member of the body and the building up of the body of Christ. We care for this one because we love that one and have a genuine concern about that one. But even more, we do this to fulfill the desire of the Lord's heart to build the church. Okay, section two, with the subpoints, develops in a fuller way one of the four points I gave in the first part of the message uh, last time. So let's consider this with concentration. The more we are constituted with Christ, the more we will spontaneously live a shepherding life and have the burden to take care of others. Okay? So we don't leap directly into, oh, you're in the Lord's recovery now. You need to live a shepherding life. You need to have a burden to care for someone. Uh, whom do you have the burden to share? Let's, let's go back to the proper place to begin with. Being constituted with Christ. This is a need beyond description. From 1962, December, until the end of his course in 1997, Brother Lee ministered again and again and again to us the riches of Christ, the all-inclusive Christ, experiencing Christ, enjoying Christ, living Christ, becoming Christ by having him reproduce himself in us. And we need more speaking and teaching. We do. We're raising up another generation. But our basic need is to be more constituted with Christ. Could we simply just pray for this in a genuine way, day by day? Lord, Thank you for today. 
I consecrate myself and my this day to you. Lord, work yourself into me today. Make your home in my heart today. Lord, constitute me with yourself more today. Lord, go into parts of our being you haven't yet reached. Little by little, day by day. If you would pray this, even from now to the end of the year, I'm speaking on November 20th. You'll hear this in the first weekend of December. So let's say you hear it on December 5th. Okay? You now have 26 more days. I don't mean to pray as an obligation, as a formality. But if you are enlightened, Lord, everything I am, everything I do, depends on how much I have been constituted with you. I need this. My spouse, my children, my grandchildren, the saints I'm related to need this. My local church needs this. Your body needs this. You need this to have your bride made ready. Lord, please, may it be nonstop from now until I see you every day. Work yourself into me. And then spontaneously, we live according to the Christ who is constituted into us. And he's the shepherd. He lived a shepherding life. In part of the life study of Mark, Brother Lee gave many messages on a life fully according to and for God's New Testament economy. And that, that was James, uh, that was the Lord Jesus revealed in Mark. And Brother Lee said something there that has been in me ever since. He said, with the Lord, his living and his working were one. The Lord didn't like have a time clock and to say, no, I'm going to start caring for people and shepherding. And uh, now the day is over, and so I don't do the shepherding now. My work is done. That's any one of us in our employment. But with the Lord, living, working, moving, serving, they're all, all one thing. Because it's a life. And so, spontaneously, we will live a shepherding life and have the burden to take care of others. 
And we'll cease using this word burden lightly or casually. No, there really is something in our being pressing on us, urging us, even weighing upon us. Lord, I have to pray for this one. How was, how was this one doing? This one sustained such a loss or is going through such a trial. Or Lord, this one needs to grow more. Then we just live it out. Not as a duty, but as an, a living out of the Christ who's been wrought into us. Now the subpoints. The constitution of Christ in our spiritual life has a shepherding aspect. It's all-inclusive. It has a gospel aspect. The Lord still wants to see people saved and have their sins forgiven and to be born of God and to be added to the church. And there's the shepherding aspect. of Christ in our spiritual life. And so we don't we shouldn't condemn ourselves. Oh, I don't have much feeling about this. I don't have the heart for this. I never was a people person. I'm in a sense I've been kind of a loner. I'm not sure how to deal with people, how to be with people. Well, just set that aside. We all need Christ in his shepherding life. Whether we are fond of helping people or not, all of that is just a natural life. It's Christ who makes the difference. Shepherding is not a matter of responding to being encouraged by others to shepherd. So I am not here encouraging you, please shepherd more. Please, please promise to shepherd more. I really don't want to hear a brother or sister give a testimony and say, Lord, I consecrate myself to shepherd more. Actually, dear ones, that's not a consecration. That's a promise that you can't keep. Consecration is presenting yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice voluntarily with the realization that you're saying, Lord, do whatever you will with me. Work in me, work on me, with me, through me. Lord, direct all my steps. My life is in your hands. Lord, as you're doing this, work your shepherding life into me. This is what the Lord needs. So if I'm encouraging you in any way, it is gently yet firmly to encourage you Just open your being 
to the wonderful, all-inclusive Christ. Come to him based on his precious blood, just as you are. And open your being to him and pray, Lord, work yourself into me. Constitute me with yourself. Fill me with your unsearchable riches. See, shepherding is the issue of being constituted with Christ. Colossians 3, 4, Christ our life. He's our life. And as we have heard, he's our person. Christ the person is making his home in our heart. So shepherding is the issue of this constitution. And the more we're constituted, we won't need someone to encourage us to shepherd, to charge us to shepherd. We simply will, spontaneously. We will have people in our heart. We will consider them before the Lord, bring them to the Lord. When we're with them in the spirit of mutual fellowship, we want to supply them and be supplied. D, the part of our being that has been constituted with Christ is the part that shepherds others. So this shows the extent to which we can shepherd. What, what kind of vocabulary does a child have when he's four? Even if he's, he or she is very smart and picks up words that are spoken by others, they're not going to have the vocabulary of an honor student at Stanford University. The vocabulary, the capacity to understand, to speak, will increase as the little one grows. So all of us, whether we know it or not, have a measure of Christ in us. So we are able to shepherd certain people. Let's suppose Brother A has been saved for one year. One year. And during that year, he's been pursuing the Lord, allowing the Lord to grow in him. He can certainly shepherd a colleague, a friend at work who's not saved, he can shepherd that one into salvation. And because he has taken the step of consecration with absoluteness, this is Brother A, then here is a real believer, a new one who loves the Lord, but has never heard of consecration. 
and therefore hasn't consecrated, and you, you are aware of this, you can shepherd that one into a life of consecration. But no, you're not be able, you're not able to shepherd someone to know the body yet, to live in ascension yet, to reign in life yet, to engage in spiritual warfare yet. And you shouldn't feel obligated to have to be able to do all of that. The more you grow, the more Christ increases, the more you will have something in you that spontaneously shepherds. And now we're going to go on to see that a shepherding life and a ministering life and what we will call here the all-fitting life for the ministry life, they're really all one. We need to work together with God by an all-fitting life. Okay, what is that? It's a life that is all-sufficient and mature, able to fit all situations, to endure any kind of treatment, to accept any kind of environment, to work under any kind of condition and to take any kind of opportunity for the carrying out of the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So please don't give a testimony in which you say, I consecrate to live an all-fitting life. From now on, I will live an all-fitting life. And then something rather minor happens in your environment two hours later, and your life doesn't fit into that situation. Because this is a, a matter of growth in life. that's all-sufficient and mature. A child can't have this capacity that the mother has. And so we should, again, should not impose this on ourselves. But I hope this would motivate us to pray for the growth in life to maturity. And so this all-fitting life has an organic, Jesusly human flexibility in any kind of situation. This life is able to shepherd and to minister. So please allow me to give an example from my own personal 
learning history. This is nothing heroic, but I'm going to tell you, doesn't make me special. But it was an encouraging experience that also motivated me. In 1987, I became very seriously ill. And the symptom was an unbearable pain in my midsection, front and back. And I contacted our dear brother, Rick Scatterday, who's also a doctor. And he recognized this as urgent. He called the hospital, said he's taking me there immediately. He realized this was potentially a life and death matter, which it was. Then after a couple days, it was necessary for me to have, at midnight, emergency surgery. Because the end was near and the temperature was high and the symptoms were worsening. And then after the surgery, I learned what had happened. The gallbladder had become infected. If it had burst, I would have died. So now for many days, I was lying in a hospital bed to recover. Then pancreatitis set in one night. So another crisis. But I was there. in my bed, in my room with another man. And two things happened during the days I was there. One related to the gospel, the other to testifying concerning the truth. The man next to me had already lost one arm in an accident. His name was Norman Pryor about 15 years or so older than I. And he was to have an extremely serious in surgery the next morning. And the surgeon came in and spent about 90 seconds with him, but it was very precious to let him know how things would proceed. And after the surgeon left, I talked with Norman, who had helped me. And I spoke to him concerning the Lord and to call on the Lord and to open your heart and your being to the Lord. And he did. He prayed. Then he went into the surgery. And then I heard something actually amazing. He was in the recovery room, and a sister was a nurse, a surgical recovery nurse. And actually, it was the wife of our dear brother Ed, Ruth Marks. And she told me later, as this man was getting consciousness, he was saying the Lord's name, he was calling on the Lord, he was confessing the Lord. So here, in the midst of my physical weakness, I could speak a few simple words of the gospel. And then another incident 
was I couldn't wash my hair, I couldn't shave, I couldn't take care of myself. And there was a young man, a kind of unofficial nursing assistant who who took care of practical needs. And I asked the nurse, could someone wash my hair? My hair needs to wash so much. And they sent this young man, maybe 17 years old. And I'm lying with my head in this kind of pan, whatever it is. And he's shampooing my hair and rinsing my hair. And he learned that I was in the church in Irving. And he lived, his family lived close to the meeting hall in Irving. And while the meeting hall was being built, some brothers were there volunteering to serve. And one brother did something seriously wrong in the way he talked to some of the neighbors. And they got a very bad impression about this strange church without a name, the church in Irving. So he asked me about what we are and why we use this designation. And there I am lying in this pan, getting my hair washed, sharing with him the ground of the church. Eventually coming up to Revelation 111, one church in one city. I say again, this is nothing heroic. This is my learning to have an all-fitting life, at least fitting in this situation. (coughs) Excuse me. And then because of this life, able to guide my roommate to the Lord and enable to shepherd this young man so that he could have a proper view of what we are. And I explained to him, that does not represent us. This is not our attitude. We don't agree with that, what he happened. And he had a, he came away with a much better view of the church in Irving. So all of us have this life within us. And as Christ grows in us and as we grow in life, The all-fittingness, if I may use that expression, increases until we realize it's all-sufficient. Like the Lord spoke to Paul, my grace is all-sufficient. His life is always all-sufficient. This life is able to meet all situations. This life is able to endure any kind of treatment. Yes. Any kind of treatment. This life is able to accept any kind of environment. But here I am in the hospital. That wasn't the only time. But I let everything go. I'm here now. Now it's St. Joseph's Hospital in Orange County, California. 
This is where you want me to be. This life is able to work under any kind of condition and to take any kind of opportunity for carrying out the work of the ministry. We all have this life with its potential. Now the subpoints. To work together with God means that we are in God. Only a person who is in God can bring God to others. If we have an all-fitting life, any situation or circumstance is right for us to minister life to others. And I believe there are many of maturing and matured saints among us who can testify of various experiences along this line. There are many, many saints who have preached to their Norman prior and have testified to their hair shampoo, hair person. This is real. See, if we would have an all-fitting life, we need an enlarged heart, a heart to embrace all of God's people. This is important. We could actually have a whole message, even a whole conference, on an enlarged heart, what it is, how it functions, how it's produced. But now I just say a little bit. I read the subpoints, and then I'll read a few verses in the scripture reading there. To be, to be enlarged by growing and maturing is the equivalent to being fully reconciled to God. See, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. And he said, God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And that ministry of reconciliation has two main aspects. First, through the gospel, it reconciles sinners to God. They now have repented of their sins. They believe in the Lord. They have received the Lord. Now they have peace with God in Christ. They've been reconciled to God in this way. And then there's the aspect of a mature person like Paul reconciling the believers more and more to Christ. There was a big difference between Paul and the Corinthians. He was fully one with Christ, living in the Holy of Holies. He experienced the working of the cross throughout his being. He was sanctified, renewed, transformed. He's reigning in life. And he appealed to them, be reconciled to God. There are parts, especially of your soul, that are keeping you away from God. 
You can be in the holy place, but not in the holy of holies. I appeal to you, be reconciled to God. And the point here is, the more we are reconciled inwardly to God, the more our heart is enlarged. So in chapter 520 of Second Corinthians, Paul speaks of being reconciled. Then as we have in the scripture reading, in chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, he says this, Our mouth is open to you, Corinthians. Our heart is enlarged. You are not constricted in us, but you are constricted in your inward parts. But for a recompense in kind, I speak as to children, you also be enlarged. If we are honest and sincere before the Lord, and his light is shining in us, we may realize, Lord, certain kinds of people I just don't like. I just am uncomfortable with them. I'd like to be with this kind, whether it's social status or race or nationality. It's sad, but saints can be limited in their heart. Or whether it's a certain kind of personality or social class, whatever it is. This shows the heart is narrow. It's constricted. So this drastically limits your caring for people. Because you have no feeling, no heart, no intimate concern. Because your heart is narrow. And your heart is narrow because certain inward parts are still far from God in your mind, emotion, and will. You're not one with God fully yet. We all need more. So when we're reconciled, then spontaneously our heart is enlarged. And we can say, I have a heart for every kind of human being without partiality. Race doesn't matter. Nationality. Language. Social status. Educational level. Nothing. Well, the Lord wanted, I'm sorry, Saul of Tarsus, his heart was really narrow. He wanted to kill us and destroy the churches. And the Lord reconciled him and gave him a large heart. And he is well able to do it in all of us. And with an enlarged heart, then we just live a shepherding life, an all-fitting life, effortlessly. Two under C, with an enlarged heart, we are able to embrace all believers, regardless of their condition. And with an open mouth, we are free to speak to all believers, frankly, 
concerning the real situation into which they have been misled. So this is applying to believers that have been taught wrongly, for example, that the Father's house is heaven. Oh, I'm just waiting to go to heaven. I'm going to have a wonderful place there. Jesus is preparing one. And they're being deprived of participating in the divine dispensing, in God's economy. They're being robbed of knowing the truth concerning God's purpose and will. So here you are with an enlarged heart caring for this person. There's no judgment, no criticism, no frustration. But you can just say, my dear my dear brother, there's a whole other way to understand John 14. Listen, honestly, brother, that is in heaven. That's the church. And the Lord has prepared a place for you in the Father's house. That's a place in the church, God's house, that only you can fill. And I'm not trying to get you to join our church. I want you to be in the will of God, in the heart of God, to be in the place he prepared for you. Okay, now the last section in about six minutes. If we would engage in shepherding for the building up of the body of Christ, we need to live a, a ministering life. So the shepherding life, the all-fitting life, and the ministering life are really one life. Christ himself, our life. A ministering life is a life of ministering Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. The body needs those who have been constituted with the process and consummated triune God so that they may have the riches of Christ in their spirit and in their entire inner being to impart to others. Please listen to this. The body needs. This is a great need. The body needs those sisters and brothers who have been constituted with the process and consummated triune God. They are filled with the riches of Christ in their spirit and in their inner being. This is just who and what they are. So because this is what they are through Christ as their constitution, constituent rather, and life. The body needs this. We need to pray for this. I don't know if how many prayers have been offered for this. How many prayers ascend that recognize, that utter, express the need of the body. Lord, your body not only needs you directly, as everything, the body needs members constituted with you. Lord, 
Carry this out, only you can produce this. See, a ministering life is a life that warms up others by cherishing them in the humanity of Jesus to nourish them in the divinity of Christ with the riches of Christ. So we need the humanity of Jesus, Jesusly human. So we don't just try to cherish. So I don't tell my wife, um, I'm going to go see brother so-and-so. I plan to cherish him. Then I'm going to nourish him. That, that is, that's the self trying to be something and do something. We should just go to follow the Lord's shepherding. Then the cherishing and nourishing flow. To live a ministering life means that our outer man is being consumed and our inner man is being renewed day by day. There is no doubt, saints who are listening to this, this is what's been happening to you for quite a period of time, hasn't it? The consuming, being consumed. Your outer man is being consumed. So I have good news for you. There will be more consuming. Also, your inner man is being renewed day by day. If I were to see you now, I would see many saints that are newer than when I visited the Bay Area a year ago. You're being renewed day by day. E, to live a ministering life, is to have a deep, genuine, tender, loving, and affectionate concern for others. I've been learning. This is not a performance. I say this before the pres- in the presence of the Lord. When I ask how you're doing, I'm not being social. I'm not being polite. I care for how you're doing. If I ask about your family, how's your spouse, your, your teenage children, how are they doing? I'm not curious. I'm not going to gossip. It matters. This is just done spontaneously, effortlessly. We see someone, we sense a loving concern, tender care for them, pure affection. Then the last point, echoing what we covered before, we need to be enlarged in heart to have the intimate concern of the ministering life. So again, it will not help to say, I consecrate from now on to have the intimate concern of the ministering life. That's a promise that you're going to make yourself this. No. It is Christ who is this. We need more of him to be reconciled to him more, to have our heart enlarged, to have an intimate concern. We're not curious. We're not gathering information. That's awful. That's the self. 
were concerned. That's why when Brother Lee was asked to give a word through Andrew to the Anaheim elders that were meeting somewhere, and he said this, love one another, and your wives need to love one another, and love one another's children. This is just this indicator. Loving not only your own children. Loving the children of all the saints. Loving all the saints. This is not something we make up our mind to do. This is the expression of our shepherd in Christ with his all-inclusive tender care who is who lived a shepherding life on earth. He's carrying out a shepherdly ministry in the heavens. And he wants to live out a shepherding life once again in all of us to minister life for the building up of the body of Christ and the preparation of the bride. I realize these words are far from adequate. There really is an earthen vessel here. No doubt about it. But I believe at least some would bring in life and light and love and care and encouragement and grace and especially blessing to all of you. See you soon for the final message, message three.